the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Hump Day Show, hour two of four on 710 KNUS. Uh, Eight o'clock hour, we're going to be joined by Jerry Sonnenberg. He is a candidate for CD4. In the nine o'clock hour, Deb Flora. You've probably never heard of Deb if you've listened to 710. She will be joining us as a candidate for CD4. Those are two of the 29 candidates. I think there's actually only 10 at this point, maybe 11. We did talk about Justin Schreiber. He's, of course, welcome to call in at any time and to record us uh, if he'd like. Uh, This is a, by the way, I just was looking at Fox during the break. Guess who was on as they're doing their sweep through Denver talking about the migrant crisis? Jerry Sonnenberg was on, uh, and we couldn't really hear him here in the studio, but I could see him. And Jerry's a tall man, but that dude who's interviewing him, and I don't know the names of any of the people on Fox, dwarfs him. I mean, it was ridiculous. It was like Jerry standing next to me, this guy standing next to Jerry. It was it was crazy. Uh, nonetheless, where we're at this morning is talking a little bit more about, at least in the 7 o'clock hour, a little bit more about this migrant crisis that has taken place. Two things going on, one of which I've got to do some explanation slash mea culpa-ish from uh, yesterday. But first, let's start with this. The, uh, the Republicans uh, this morning voted a resolution to uh, bounce Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas from his post, an impeachment, if you will. It was just a party line vote that took place. It was based on a pledge from Speaker Mike Johnston to swiftly bring the resolution to the floor, and uh, they did. That's happening here. And remember, the reason for this is because he sucks at his job. That that's really, and I'm telling you, that's not my impression. Although I think he sucks at his job. That that's really what the argument is going on right there. And you'll recall that this is one of the things that got uh, some conservatives crosswise with Ken Buck, because Ken did not vote for impeachment the first time it was on the table, in large part because he said you don't impeach someone for being bad at their job. Incompetence is dealt with at the polls. You know what I mean? Like if Biden is putting crappy people in place, then we just don't reelect Biden and we put other people in place. And I know that there are a lot of folks out there who think, well, but this is such an emergency. It's such a crisis and we have to act now and we have to remove him. And that brings us to yesterday. I ranted and raved, as I want to do, on an issue related to um, this border compromise immigration compromise bill that's brewing in the senate that mike johnson says johnson says is dead it's dead on arrival in the house but the questions that we asked were predicated on my belief that listen there's uh there are powers the president has that he could use right now he's not using them and why would we need to compromise on things like well once there once we reach five thousand crossings in a day we'll shut down the border And that sounds silly. Why can't we shut it down after one illegal crossing and all that other stuff? Well, you listen, anyone who's ever been married, especially guys, knows know that you're in the business of apologizing um, for a whole host of things 
This one happens to be something where I actually got something wrong. Not intentionally, but just I, from time to time, get sucked into, hey, I read a couple stories online, and I think I know what I'm talking about, and I move forward. There's more to it than this. So let me just lay the groundwork for this. This compromise bill, one of the things we talked about was it permits the president to shut down the border after 5,000 crossings, and we're talking legal asylum-seeking crossings today. That's an incredibly high number, but it's a negotiated number because right now he can't. Neither can Trump. I thought that's how this thing worked, but that's not how it works. And that was some of the controversy with the stay in Mexico policy was the way we currently have our asylum laws drawn up. And they hearken back to like post-World War II era. Like we haven't had a change to immigration in any substantive way for over 40 years. I think I heard 44 years. President can't just say we're going to stop taking asylum seekers. There is no number at which he can invoke a shut it down thing. So this would actually be a step towards empowering a president, whether it's Biden or ultimately Trump, you know, this time next year, to shut down the border completely after they reach this certain milestone number. And here's the other part. And take every other person that they get crossing legal or otherwise at that moment and not process them, but immediately eject them from the country. Now, You and I are thinking to ourselves, why in the heck can't we just eject everyone all the time anyway? And the reason for that is the law doesn't permit it. That means that we have to change the law and we're not going to get that change in the law put in place. We're just the way the Senate is right now. And we have perhaps the most favorable Senate reelection map in terms of gains for Republicans in a decade, maybe more than a decade. That doesn't mean we're going to win a filibuster-proof majority, 60 votes. It doesn't mean that. So we're in a place right now where unless we win a decent, reliable majority and we maintain control of the House, which we only control by a very narrow margin, and we win the White House, the chances of making substantive changes to immigration pretty low. And and I'm not convinced how the filibuster-proof 60 votes factors into any change on immigration anyway, and I'm kind of looking into that. Billy and I were talking about that before the show. But, uh, you know, the, the numbers are, are big about who's crossing. And I think this is, uh, I think Alexa just sent to us some numbers. I don't know if you can trust where these numbers came from or not, but they they look decent. It says right here, like from 2010, we had 463,000 uh, crossing, but it doesn't say if they're amnesty seekers, I'm sorry, asylum seekers or just illegal crossings. And then as of 2023, 3.2 million. I mean, that's unbearable, unbearable. But but what we have to fix is the asylum piece. The, the other thing that this bill does that we just don't have right now is it provides the billions of dollars necessary to beef up the um, process of processing. <laughs> it just sounds so stupid now that I say it out loud. The process of processing. The asylum seekers, which, as you know, people are cut loose with their little CFP or CFB or whatever it is, Form 1, and they're told to come back in five years. Well, that ain't going to happen. Those people are here forever. But because we know the vast majority of asylum seekers don't qualify, it's not just it's enough to initiate the process and to be held in the country if you simply get to the border and announce 
I'm in fear for going back to home for any one of a number of reasons. But to actually have it adjudicated in your favor, you actually have to have like documentary proof and some other things that none of these people end up having. Like you can't say I'm afraid of domestic violence back in my home and they don't do anything about that. Just not good enough. So we need to expedite this process. And this bill would go away towards doing that. It would hire a bunch more immigration judges. We need to beef up the border. There are those, and we've talked to them on air, who suggest, hey, let's just mobilize the military and we'll redeploy them from Japan or abroad. That, that's never going to happen, and I think that's counterproductive to our long-term uh, goals both here and abroad. National Guard, yeah, you could do that for a short period of time. But remember, too, when you're mobilizing the National Guard, and it's easy to say when you're not in the Guard, it's easy to say, yeah, just mobilize them. That's what they signed up for, and this is a crisis, and we're being invaded, and let's go shut down the border. A couple things about that. One, the guard only only remains in control of the governor of the state from which they come until the president decides otherwise. That's right. The president can nationalize the guard. So if Biden were in office, and let's just say that Governor Polis were an actual Republican or cared about the rule of law or something like that, and he decided, I'm going to send down guardsmen and women to help out um, Governor Abbott down in Texas or to help in Arizona or New Mexico, whatever. He could do that. But the minute Biden says, on second thought, I think I'll federalize these guard members, boom, then Governor Polis is no longer in control of them. Now it's a President Biden decision. So that's not really a realistic option. Redeploying our active duty troops, that doesn't seem like a realistic option. Reservist guardsmen could be a Band-Aid on that. And you know that Texas, here's what Texas is doing. They're spending tons of money on this. They've mobilized their guard for like year-long tours. We ran into some guys when 710 KNUS, with the help of Steve Wells, um, went down to the border a year ago next month. I can't believe it's been a year, man. And think about that when we were down there. Who was down there? Me, Stefan, Deb, and then there was one, right? Uh, we went down there, and um, we ran into guardsmen. And I did the old guard talk thing and all that stuff. These guys are on orders, some of them six months, some of them a year, collecting state active duty pay. They're on state active duty orders. That comes out of a different pot of money. And for them, it's like, yeah, I relocate a bit from my family, but I'm making great money. And we're down here just making sure people don't cross onto this private property. We were along a port of, part of the border where... There's a, I want to say it's a construction company or something that abuts this crossing place. And so they're basically there defending Texas, but really private property from the invasion by, by these illegal immigrants. But I tell you, the illegal immigrant thing is real and the wall can help towards that. But the bigger issue, the bigger issue is this asylum thing. And that's where this bill makes some pretty large changes that are needed. I'll get to a potential solution here in a minute. But here, here's why the Mayorkas thing factors into this. We're being told that relieving Mayorkas of his duties through impeachment is a matter of absolute urgency and necessity because every single day, 10 trillion people that don't belong here are pouring over the border. This guy's doing nothing about it. We must act. And yet we have this... Border fix-ish, I'm not going to call it a capital F fix, but attempt to fix the border issue in the Senate, well, about to be in the Senate right now, and the same people in the House, the same speaker that is saying this is a matter of urgency to get rid of Mayorkas is saying, well, no, 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 we, that bill's dead on arrival. We don't need to change things at the border right now. We should wait 
until we can get more of this once we get the right people in elected office, presumably Trump, into the White House. Isn't that weird? Doesn't that feel inconsistent? Like for purposes of removing Mayorkas for something that I got to tell you, I think the guy's horrible at his job. I don't like the fact that he's an apologist for their failures or tries to obfuscate numbers or massages defeat by, by trying to spin it as victory and all this other stuff. And I, his backstory's great. I mean, I'm not one of these guys that hates on him as a person, and there are so many that do. But you don't remove a guy for not being good at his job. That's just not how it goes in government. You think it would be, but you don't imp- What's that? If you remove people because they were bad at their jobs in government, we'd have nobody <laughs> there would left. be nobody left. I think that Biden could fire him. That's a power. But Biden choosing not to fire him doesn't make him impeachable. Instead, it really should be an issue for the ballot box coming up this November. And like I said, I still think this border crisis may be the number one issue, is going to be the number one issue on people's minds, depending upon what the economy does. Number one issue on people's minds because it is everywhere. It is, it is a failure of epic and historic proportions, especially based on these numbers that Alexa is showing me. But how can it be an emergency in terms of removing the uh, Secretary of Homeland Security, but it's a wait and see and let's try to do better. Maybe we can get something a year from now with the border fix bill. Three zero three six nine six nineteen seventy one. Is there a consistency here? And what do we do? By the way, I have a not my idea. I heard someone else say this while I was doing some research on this. One potential fix to this asylum stuff is to change the law so that you must seek asylum at a U.S. consulate. Think about that. Think about the genius behind that. The U.S. consulates tend to be deep in a country, like let's call it Mexico City or some other place near a capital in a foreign country. Imagine if you were told when you get to the border, I'm so sorry, we don't do that here. Can you imagine the frustration of waiting in the wrong line and being told, no, no, this is the geek squad line. You're looking for customer service. You know what I mean? Like that's not us. Think about how overnight it would change. That whole stay in Mexico policy, doesn't that ramp that up on steroids? If we change the asylum-seeking law in, in the country to say, no, no, we still do asylum, and we still do it for a bunch of reasons, but you got to go to a consulate to do it. Now, clearly, we'd have to spend a lot more on the consulates, ramp up the security even more, provide more uh, immigration personnel down there. But who wouldn't sign up for that? Isn't that even better than what's being proposed now? So there's a fix out there. There's a fix out there, but that's not the one on the table. The one on the table here changes the law in a fundamental way after 44 years of it pretty much being this that allows the president to do things, and it's a compromise position, no doubt, that he can't do right now, like kick people out of the country without processing them. Say that again, Bill. 303-696-1971. Uh, I can't tell if Billy's telling me that we should break or if you're giving me the... No, it was a caller, and she didn't have a conversation, but she didn't want to go on the air. Oh, Mary, call back. Come on the air. Let's do this. Well, here's the thing is, I will I'll at least uh, seed, uh, seed the ground and let you know what Mary was talking about. Yeah, please uh, Because she had a good point. Um, her thing is with this agreement on the border, yeah. uh, she's mad 
about not having any wall at all. And she says that for her is a delineation point. That's a line in the sand that we need to have the wall or nothing is for her if she was making the choice. She also wanted to know why does it have to be 5,000 people? Couldn't it be the 1,000? And I did talk to her a little bit about uh, could we even make that happen based on how the courts may adjudicate the asylum laws and and how does that law have to be written right. in order to make it through, that that's a little more sticky. I think the, the so. bigger thing is, is 5,000 too many? Yes, I, th- I think it is. But this is a compromised position, recognizing that we don't control the White House and we don't control the Senate. Yeah. And so, yes, you're right, Mary. It would be great to come in and say after 10 or 100 or 1,000, we don't have those superpowers, man. I mean, if the best we can do at this moment in time is 5,000 and then shut down the border completely and stop processing asylum seekers. And I think that's what's become conflated here is we look at the and I think the media has helped to do this because the mainstream media wants to take the sting out of the illegal part. So we now just call them migrants. It's a migrant crossing, not an illegal immigrant crossing issue, uh, because so many of these people are asylum seekers. And just as a reminder, if you're granted the ability to be in the country pending the outcome of an asylum hearing, you are here legally. So you fit under that umbrella term migrant because you're a migrant, but you're here legally. And then they suck into that all the illegals. So when Mary calls up and talks about the wall, the wall doesn't address asylum seekers. That is a different. And that's the component, by the way, that the cartels and the coyotes, those are the they understand that system and they're exploiting the hell out of it. That's the system that's broken and needs fixing. And this bill does that not perfectly, not the way we'd want it, but it does do that in a way that it hasn't been fixed in over four decades. And so the question is, if we're going to try to stem the tide, and yes, the wall is an important component, but it is not the end-all be-all. A wall will not stop the illegal flow of immigrants. That's not it. Um, the other piece of this thing, too, was, remember when I was mocking the fact that, hey, after two crossings, when you shouldn't, after we've shut down the border, then you're banned from coming into the country. That is... I, I thought that was crack smoke crazy. Like, why don't we just say after your first crossing, it's over? And they're saying, because again, on a compromise basis, there is no vehicle right now to stop someone from seeking asylum, even after they've illegally crossed. There's no way to. So this would at least be a change that says, hey, keep poking the bear and you're dead to us. Asylum seeking or not, you're done. Yeah. And there was something interesting that you just it just was. rung something in my head a second ago because it's very noisy in here um (laughs) yeah yeah, and uh, something i'd heard a couple of days ago and they were talking about how trump's idea of you know when he had someone that was here illegally etc that you would expel them immediately how it was a good idea but poor execution and the issue being uh, and the person brought it out very realistically said think about a cat that you have that's trying to get into a room or something you don't want it to you take the cat and you go no 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 cat you can't go into this room you take him out and you put him there what's the cat going to do turn around and go right back towards the room and oh, they yeah. said routinely that's what we saw with a number of people and they said especially the people we don't want here in the country that as soon as you expel them they're like well i'm just gonna try again because they can try over and over again because there's no consequence, That's right, no consequence for not succeeding, for getting caught. There's no consequence. And there's only reward. And so this person was really interesting that said that in theory, it makes a heck of a lot of sense. But in practicality, the execution didn't accomplish and can't accomplish what we were hoping. Again, person wasn't throwing rocks at Trump, but said that's a difficulty. And how do we solve this? So, yeah, I, I 
I agree with that. I, I think that one of the places I was at yesterday when I was ranting and raving, and one of the texters just texted this in, was like, hey, we have immigration right, law, laws right now on the books that will take care of this. We don't. We don't have laws on the books that will take care of this. The asylum law is set up in a way that I don't think you and I truly appreciated yesterday, and maybe you don't now, and that is it is so forgiving of anyone who can use the magic words, the magic language. That's how we've written our asylum law, is that if you can show up and say, I am scared of going back to my own country for whatever the the, the reasons are, that's it. We cannot just expel you. We have to give you a hearing. We have to process you. That's the way the law is written now. So the illegal immigration law, could we enforce that more vigorously? I think we can. I think that's obvious. Can we build a wall to further make it difficult to get into the country? Of course we could do that, and we should do that. But one of the biggest problems is this asylum law. Is this asylum law. One of the biggest is this asylum law. And this bill, although not a perfect fix, goes a long way towards changing something that's been broken for a long time. And uh, the, so the question is, how do we deal with this? And so if it's an emergency to remove Mayorkas right now because of his failures at the border, is it also an emergency to change this asylum law and some of the other immigration stuff right now to try to address this? It's just very difficult for me to imagine that we're going to get more bang for our buck by allowing Biden to reappoint some some person into the homeland security. By the way, the guy's never going to be impeached. It's never going to happen in the Senate, but let's pretend it could happen. We're going to get more bang for our buck with a new Biden appointee for homeland security than we are by changing the law, even in a way that is incomplete and less satisfactory than we would like. Doesn't that seem crazy? I don't know. And I'm not advocating for this bill as the end all be all. Don't don't hear me saying that. But how can we support both Mayorkas and the defeat of this bill? 303-696-1971. Phone lines are full. So let me do this. Let me cut away for a break after I talk to you about the Art of Granite. The Art of Granite is that fantastic business that replaces, upgrades the countertops in your home. It's a misleading title. It's just because you can't say the art of granite and marble and quartz and all the other stuff. That would just be too hard to type into the search engine. So theartofgranite.com is where you go to see what Mitch Floria has been doing now for so many years at such a high level. Between the radio and word of mouth, that this guy is is doing business all the time across the metro area. There are so many people that can tell you about the great work that he does. I have friends that have texted me to tell me we had Mitch and his team in. We love Mitch and his team. Here's the other thing. He loves 710 folks. If you tell him you're a 710 listener, you get more than just the wholesale prices he extends to everybody. If you say I'm a George listener, he'll be like, I will throw in the bathroom countertop for free with the kitchen countertop package. Or if you're only doing one room, maybe it's upgrading the laundry room or the kitchen or the finished basement. He'll throw in the sink for free with the countertop package. You just got to tell him you're a George listener. Schedule that consultation with Mitch by calling him directly, 303-386-5919, 303-386-5919. Or you can visit his website at theartofgranite.com. That's theartofgranite.com. When we come back, Marcus J. Thomas, and I'll let you know when the lines are open. It's George Brockler, 710 KNUS. George Brocker back with you here, 710K NUS, going to the red hot, fiery phone lines right now. Marcus from Aurora, you're on 710. Marcus, what do you think? 
Yeah, I think a lot. Hey, what do you get when you put two lawyers together? Good Lord, I don't know. Lawsuits. Okay. (laughs) It is funny, isn't it? That's true. It's true also, man. Uh, What do you got for us? Okay. Now I was looking at this. They want to pass this and everything, and I disagree on a few points. Yes. And they didn't bring the house up there. Yeah, it's going to be dead on arrival because Mitch McConnell is sitting up there with the Senate and everything. And they just want to know, okay, what is this all about? This and this and this. Forget about the fence and everything. But there was some words that uh, Biden wants 5,000 illegals a day. Well, it's not illegals. To come into it's, fi- it's not 5,000 illegals a day. I think I think it's 5,000 like asylum seekers at all. I mean, it might include illegals, but I think it covers the asylum seekers. That's huge because we don't have that limitation right now. Yeah, and that's what I was looking. And, how, and I, I just wondered, why don't you bring up Johnson from the House? Because when he said it's dead on arrival, nobody knows what's in that bill. It's just fair. Well, I don't think we know what's in the bill, true, because we've only heard the things leaked from it. There isn't a draft bill yet. I'm not saying we should go Nancy Pelosi one way or the other. Like, we can't vote against a bill that we haven't read. We can't vote yeah. for a bill we don't know about. But what is your what are your thoughts on the idea that, hey, we need to impeach Mayorkas? I'd love to know if you think that that's a yes or no thing. You agree or disagree. But, two, if it's an emergency to remove Mayorkas, isn't it an emergency to try to get something, at least in the short term, anything done to uh, to address this border crisis? I don't think they should impeach him. He's he's the fall guy. But Biden could end everything with a pinstroke. And if he put back all the things that uh, Trump had in place, it everything goes back. Well, it now, does, it but it's not totally stupid. fixed, right? Because even with uh, Alexa's yeah. numbers here, it shows that between, I'm going to give credit to Trump for 2017 to 2021, uh, or at least to 2020, there was 300,000, 400,000, 850,000, 400,000. So it's not like we we had stopped everything, but my God, it's way different than 1.9 million, 2.7 million, 3.2 million. So you're right. It would be a step in the right direction. But he, that, those are the limited powers that Trump would have. This would actually give him the ability to do some more stuff that he doesn't have yet. Yeah. And even our state can't afford this. And, you know, uh, I don't know where it's going to go. Yeah. W- what is your preference? What do you want to see happen? I'd like to see him build, build a fence, really. And, uh, I like the fence too, but that that won't do. It. And everything, and and start doing something. Put the house up there with the Senate, and you all sit down and come up with a solution there. Man, you hope because so. You've but, been but, a but that's what they're it, trying to do right now in the Senate, right? They're trying to come up with a compromise solution. But what we're hearing but from they so need many to bring on the, the House into it. Yeah, well, the House controls the budget. Yeah. Uh, they do control the budget. I just think the House, because it is in the position it's in, and it's had that change in leadership, and they've got that slim majority, they're in a, like Johnson's in a different position. He feels to me, probably inclined to do this anyway, but feeling real pressure from from the right, the Freedom Caucus, to try to shoot this thing down just for him to to keep his position as Speaker. 
So I don't know if there's any way to reach in and get them on board, especially when so many view this as a great, and they're right, a great political issue for this campaign. And I think some, Marcus, are willing to say, it's okay with me if we don't solve this problem, if not solving this problem means we get President Trump. I'll take that. Well, I'd take if they bring Johnson up there from the House that he's involved up there, then they can't blame anything on anything else. The facts will come out. Well, we'll see what happens with that. Marcus, as always, I love the phone call. Thank you for it. Marcus's line is open, 303-696-1971. Our friend Jay from Sterling up there in the Northeast, sir, how are you? Good, sir. What are you thinking? By the way, I wanted to ask you this. I wanted to ask you this. In the 8 o'clock hour, we're going to have Jerry Sonnenberg on. He He's right there. He's in the, a good guy. I was going to ask he's you if you knew Jerry because everybody Absolutely. up there knows Jerry. Yes, I'm a farmer out here. He's a good guy. He's always been good to us, you know. So he's, he's a straight – he's one of us type – well, I don't want to categorize, but he's one of us type of thinkers. Logical, level-headed, you know, down to earth. That's who he is as a person. And we're not talking immigration for this moment, but the other thing that Jerry brings that I think is different from what we have seen in the recent past is a guy who is living that life, Jay, that you know so well, but a guy who's out there on the plains whose family for generations has been working the land and the cattle and all the other stuff. I mean, like, we just don't get a lot of that in Congress, you know? Correct. Well, they've never lived the lifestyle. I mean, they go get a hamburger. They don't understand what it takes for us to raise hamburger. They don't understand what it takes to raise the corn, to bale the hay. They don't understand the logistics of all that. They just think everything comes from the supermarket, you know, and that's the sad part that these people don't understand. I mean, they ain't going out there pulling a calf in the middle of a winter storm. You know, they're not willing to go do all that stuff. They have never had to work for their food, for well, God's and, sake. And, Jay, the other thing they do is they look at wolves as those cute, cuddly animals on the posters with the pretty blue oh, yeah. eyes who are just trying to, you know, make it out there in the world. Whereas my guess is you and Jerry and others see wolves as a direct threat to the cattle that you're raising. I mean, that's well, crazy. Look at, well, look at the coyotes. I mean, we used to have coyote hunts. I mean, because, you know, a farmer has got to make money. We don't make much money, you know, but... So therefore, we have to take take certain certain things into hand for us to farm. You know, like they say, farming you get three bad years and one good year. A bumper crop is what we call it. Yeah. You know. So I mean, if you ain't conservative enough with your own cash flow and your own belongings and protect what you got, you're gonna have a farm sale. You know. And so not the, and not the good kind. Not the good kind. Yeah. So it's. He understands, Jerry Sonnenberg, he understands all that stuff. He understands what a farmer and a rancher goes through, what we do, you know? And so, but but that brings back to the level-headedness, which we got none of that in Congress. We got none of that in these politicians. You know, they've never, they've never lived a life of that nature. You know, most of them, they just, they get their weekly paycheck or their monthly paycheck. We don't get that, you know? Jay, uh, I could talk to you about this all day, and in fact, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about it with Jerry when he's on in the eight. But you didn't call in for that; you called in to talk about this immigration Mayorkas thing. Give me your thoughts. Yeah, passport. Me and the wife, we had to get. We haven't traveled in a while, but we used to have to get passports when we went on our cruises and stuff like that, yeah, or yeah, travel yeah. the country. So, therefore, why don't the the shouldn't they have to have a passport to come into the United States? 
Yeah, you would well, love. Just, that's a, that's you would love question. to think that's true. You, if you have a passport, you can come into the United States. Like that is your entrance into, based on all the other treaties and world. That is your entrance into the country. But let's say they don't have one. And by the way, that passport only gets you in for a certain limited, like touristy period of time, unless you come with work visas. I mean, there's stuff there. Like when I was uh, in Canada, I don't know, a year or two ago doing some presentation on school safety and the dudes, this must've been during the COVID because a lot of masks, a lot of swabbing, but I'm in like British Columbia, Vancouver. And at the airport, man, they're grilling me. Like how many days are you going to be here? What are you doing? And I'm like, well, a cup, I built in a couple days to just, you know, check out Vancouver, but I'm going to go give this talk at this place. They're like, so work. And I'm like, yeah, some work. They're like, do you know if you exceed X number of days of work, you have to apply for a visa or you have to leave the country? I mean, they're they're very serious about that. So having a passport gets you limited access to countries. These people are looking for something different, don't have a passport. And so we have this broken asylum system that was predicated on the idea that we're going to be dealing with handfuls of people fleeing real catastrophes. Now you have the cartels and the coyotes working with these people to say, just say these magic words and you're in. And that turned out to be true. And it's like, well, we got to undo the double, magic words thing. That's a double standard, though, isn't it? That's what I'm, my point, my overall point is. It's a double standard. These people don't have to do the same things that we have to do. No, but but think about who, who issues your passport, Jay. It's your country. Oh. So if the asylum-seeking process is predicated on the idea that there is civil war in your country or some corruption at such a level that your safety is at risk, the chances of you being able to show up to whatever functioning office there is there, like I'm just making this up at Guatemala and saying I need to get a passport because I'd love to go visit America, probably pretty slim. But more than that, that passport only lets you in as a tourist for a very short period of time. And I don't know what those That's days okay. are. I didn't, re- I didn't remember how that worked. I didn't remember yeah, no, how but that it's, worked. It's a fair idea. And the one thing I'm a little afraid to move to, though, is you know, someone out there is going to suggest we need world IDs or something. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. I, I really, well, who's managing that? I don't want yeah. someone to have my ID stuff. Like I'm wary about having Colorado have my ID stuff, let alone some global entity. And I'm not talking conspiracy theory. I'm just saying who's going to manage this. No, correct. This. Yeah. I agree. And there's a lot of us that agree. There's more of us on that side of things because the more control that they try to put on everybody then it's more management, it's more Congress, it's more politics get involved in it. And they can't hardly manage what they're supposed to manage with the laws that are on the books already. They can't even manage that. that. You're absolutely right. Hey, Jay, keep up the good work and the hard work out there, man. We'll talk with you soon, okay? Thanks for calling. Take in. care of yourself. Yeah. Keep doing what you're doing. Yes, see it. That's Jay from Sterling. Hey, listen, we've got a line open, Jay's line, 303-696-1971. Dwayne from Divide, I promise I'm going to get to you. i got to cut away for a quick break here, tell you about something. If you're a Second Amendment person or maybe you're just a person who's fed up with the idea that your safety is being stripped from you as an individual. I'm telling you, that. remember that bill I read to you yesterday, part of it with uh, Sherry Pye from Complete Colorado, page two, the draft bill that would basically turn the places you can t- carry a firearm for your own self-protection into like a postage stamp in the state? Like everything would become a sensitive, a sensitive space, which is such a stupid name, but a sensitive space? It was like the, se- remember that? Well, that's out there, folks. That bill draft could turn into a bill at any moment. There's less than 100 days left of this session. If they're going to do it, and I think they will because they want to test the courts on this issue, they want to test the Second Amendment, now is the time to act. And the way you act is you go to the Tanner Gun Show this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at the Crown Plaza in Denver near I-70 and Chambers. 
These are the guys that have all of those hard-to-get parts, accessories, all the other thing. They'll do the concealed carry classes so much more, 30% off the big box store prices. I've done a little bit of the public safety thing, folks. As a veteran, as a former prosecutor here in the most populous jurisdiction for the moment in the state, I can tell you what happens when people are not in a position to defend themselves from those that try to harm them. And it's never anything positive. Don't be that person. If you want to have the ability to make decisions that are good for you and your family, consider going to the Tanner Gun Show, seeing what's out there. Uh, It's this Friday from 3 to 7, Saturday 9 to 5, Saturday from 9 to 4. You get a ticket for one day. It's good for all three. The parking is always free, which is awesome. You can check them out at TannerGunShow.com. That's TannerGunShow.com. Com. When we come back, Dwayne, the other caller, some of the texts that are coming in is George Brockler, 710 KNUS. George Brockler back with you here, 710 KNUS, wrapping up the 7 o'clock hour, but not before we hear from the very patient Dwayne from Divide. Dwayne, how are you? Good morning, sir. Always a pleasure. Uh, with these... Uh situations going on didn't the rotting corn husk in the office of president currently reverse the previous administration's uh restrictions on everyone he he did he did that by executive order he he did but remember the title 42 thing was kind of on its last legs if only because it was invoked from the covid emergency like we're saying hey we have to do this for these health reasons covid emergency is and I know some folks are going to disagree with this, but whatever it was a few years ago, it doesn't exist in that same way anymore. And certainly our response is, is different to it. And so that made it probably on its last legs anyway. You could not continue to justify it as a COVID yeah. response. Now, I'm not going with the COVID one. The initial restrictions that uh, the previous administration had administered, they reversed by executive order. Could he not reverse his reverse yes. of his... Yes, he could. Okay, so then that would solve all the problems. Not all the problems. No, not all the problems, because he would be stuck with that same. And and it's the thing du jour, is for all of these people to flood the zone and announce, I'm an asylum seeker. And because of our crappy law in the area of asylum seeking, we seem to be. I mean, I'm surprised it took this long for them to exploit that in the system. But it sounds like you run up to the border, you say the magic words, and now we have to process you. And once we process you inside the country, that's it. Then we give you a court date five years from now. That just seems to be the thing that needs yes. to be fixed, in addition and to I, the illegal part. And I'm so excited to sit there and see so many single mothers and kids coming through, and not young men between 18 <laughs> and 35, fully dressed and nice. It's just, I'm just so proud to see that we're becoming it's a just, more maternally concerned country about all that. Do, do you think, Dwayne, um, as a guy that that reads all this stuff, do you think that, it, one, the Mayorkas impeachment makes sense, and two, if that's an emergency, is trying to resolve the border through even an imperfect bill, a compromise, something that is also an emergency? Well, 5000 a day takes it right up to almost a million. So really, what are we slowing down? It's like sitting there saying, oh, we're only going to use kerosene on this fire because nitromethane doesn't really work effectively on you know cooling things down. We need to sit there, and I would, on my own personal, I'd like to see it just one year, nobody, nobody. Unless, you know, there's the millionaires that buy their way in. We'd have to get the Congress to change the law in that way, and we don't have the ability to do it. 
That's true. When I was overseas over the Christmas vacation, I mean, I was walked through like royalty. Well, you know, because really? I had connections. Yeah. They were, they were, I'm in this country and they're like, do not bother this man. Stamp him and move him through. <laughs> and it was like, I like this. This is very nice. I come back to the States and, you know, they're looking at me like I'm Al Capone with, you know, a side draft of, you know, babyface Nelson and everything else. And they're like, that's because so they checked your you social do? media feed, Dwayne. And now they know they're like, wait, wait, wait this, not this guy. You sure you don't yeah, want to stay well, abroad? I, well, I, I thought about it. They made me a nice offer, but I kind of <laughs> like it here in Colorado and I want to continue the fight. But even my social media, I have trimmed it down because of such items. But it's just one of these things of like, we need to be sitting there saying to ourselves, maybe one year, just a hiatus. Sorry, I, unless you have the $1 million bond, idea. come in. I love the idea. I'm not sure yeah. we're ever going to get that done. But uh, Dwayne, as always, I mean, man, it's always fun talking to you. Thanks for calling in, buddy. I'd like to be taller and more hair, but I'll do what I can. <laughs> Billy have says same. Day. See you. Bye. Hey, that's Dwayne. Dwayne's line is open, 303-696-1971. Frank from Evergreen, you're on 710. Frank, what do you think? George, you're such a nice guy. Um, oh, here we go. It's always you're a nice guy, but, and then I get kicked in the junk. I didn't I didn't say but. I said you're such a nice guy, and it's nice of you to make all these excuses for President Poopy Pants that he can't control the border. And I'm just trying to figure out, okay, so situation A. Yes. No immigrants come across, almost no immigrants come across, or when they do, they get tossed back, or they stay in, or they follow a stay in Mexico. Plan. Situation B: New president comes in. All of a sudden, we got ten thousand a day coming in. So, help me out. What what change besides the presidents? Well, not just the presidents, but the situation. Because remember, the stay in Mexico policy, in part, was predicated on the emergency that was COVID. That we were told was COVID. And that had abated enough that, you know, people aren't walking around in masks anymore and people are going to schools, all the things we should have been doing. Yeah, but so so now you can't justify that policy based on an emergency, which means it reverts back to whatever the congressional law was at the time. And so I don't think Biden, based on what I've just come across, I don't think Biden has the ability to deny asylum seekers access to the country. I don't think he has the ability to shut it down. Go ahead. You're saying that Trump's executive order was based on COVID thing, and since COVID's over, um, President Poopy Pants can't do that? I'm saying, yes, that the justification for some of those changes that were done by executive order were premised on an emergency that no longer exists. So, So are you also saying that Biden had his way, then none of this will be happening right now. No, I'm not saying I'm not Frank. I'm not not drunk. But Frank, here's what I am. I'm out of time. Buddy, thank you for the phone call. Frank's line is open, but don't fill it because in the eight o'clock hour, we're going to be joined by Jerry Sonnenberg, former state senator, current candidate for Congress. We're going to get to know him a little bit better. Stick around. George Brockler, 710 KNUS. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.